this special Elevate 2020 edition of Agency Nation Radio. I'm Marty Agather, and today I'm joined by my very special guest, Chris Klein from Westfield Insurance. Chris, say hello and tell our listeners what you do and what are your primary responsibilities. Hey, Marty. Hey, thanks for having us. I always look forward to uh, this each year and the fact that um, that you guys over at Agency Nation you know, let the sponsors and the folks who support Elevate, which is something we think, you know, it's an event we've been behind since day one. But the fact that you let us come on and just uh, just share our story a little bit and um, and kick the tires about all the cool things happening in the industry. So uh, huge thanks for that again this year. Absolutely. But, um, yeah, so if, if I've not met anybody listening out there, again, yeah, Chris Klein, I work for Westfield, 172-year-old. Um, Hopefully that doesn't mean sleepy. Uh, but we're, um, I guess you would call us a super regional insurance carrier based in Ohio, uh, do business for commercial lines in just over 20 states, personal insurance in 10 of those. But, hey, we can do surety everywhere. And uh, at Westfield, I lead uh, agency distribution. So you think about the end-to-end process from prospecting new agencies to appointing them to handling all the M&A and the producer hiring and all the stuff that's going on in the world out there and all the contracts and licensing and everything that goes on behind the scenes. And um, along the way, I've um, been plugged into a lot of really neat external things that we do here at the company. So all of our association work and, you know, many third-party folks, uh, partners that we have. And I am also the host of Closing the Gap, our, our podcast. That's a great overview. Thank you, uh, first and foremost for your, uh, support of the independent agency channel. I know, uh, when you were formed, uh, that's the distribution, uh, system you chose and, and the Westfield, uh, through a, a couple of iterations. I'm not, I'm not sure how, right? Do I, do I have you right, uh, that the farmer on the fence is you? The farmer on the fence. Yeah. The, um, wasn't the first logo, but gosh, it dates back far. Far longer than anybody listening today, um, the old man on the fence was really the longest standing logo and, and really the icon of, of really our core values and principles. And, you know, the logo has, has ebbed and flowed over time. And really more recently in the last couple of years, we've refreshed the brand to try to recapture some of the essence of what it, of, of what that farmer must have been, uh, thinking about as he set forth to protect, you know, all the assets and, um, the local farms from fire and, and what it means, you know, means to have those deeply rooted core values, but also uh, thinking more forward about the future and um, really been fascinating to see how, how our uh, a brand refresh and, you know, everything from the logo to uh, the imagery to the messages and, and to how, how connected to the consumer we're trying to be has really been received out there. So thanks everybody for, you know, engaging us in that uh, effort as well. No small feat. No, absolutely not. And you, you, you sort of tongue in cheek said, uh, 170 plus years, hopefully not sleepy. And, uh, I can, I can certainly, um, indicate or, or, or reflect on the fact that you guys are, are far from sleepy. You guys are doing some of the, uh, the, the most innovative stuff out there. And, and I think that's a testament to, 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 to the tradition that you see behind you, but more importantly, the, the future that you've got in front of, in front of you. Yeah, well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. And um, obviously, this can become a cheesy group hug fest. But, you know, I think, you know, I, I think, you know, in all sincerity, that 
that's really important to us. I mean, there's a huge market out there and plenty of opportunity for independent agencies to succeed and win. And, um, you know, many of the agencies, individual agencies are, are investing in a number of things to do so, as are a lot of carriers like us. There's just so much, there's so much runway out there. And, you know, we'll, I'm sure we'll get into a little bit of this, Marty, but, you know, the ever-changing demands of the consumer and the way we all have to think uh, differently about all that. And, um, you know, bringing all that together is, is one of the challenges we have right now as an industry. Uh, there's so many agencies and so many carriers trying to tackle it, each in their own unique way. But um, the future is bright if we can ha- kind of kind of raise our head up and look out over the windshield a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we're going to dig into a, a number of those uh, topics that we've raised. And, and I definitely want to get to uh, talking a little bit about your um, your podcast. But before we get there, uh, before we get down to business, so to speak, let's have a little fun. So uh, absolutely. Num- <laughs> number one, uh, I asked you to think about uh, a song uh, that you'd heard recently uh, that that you thought was worth commenting on. Well, I'll tell you, I, the fact that you say heard recently doesn't necessarily mean to me that it is a recent song. So I'm going to play semantics on you right there. But that um, that is absolutely fine because my musical ah, taste, uh, my, my musical taste rolls back in years uh, as well. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I got a fairly diverse musical uh, uh, collection of musical tastes, but uh, you know, this will sound like a hair, you know, a hair metal reference. But if you followed the band Tesla through the '90s and into the 2000s and 2010s, you'll find that they have kind of quietly been putting out just great singer-songwriter-based rock that just kind of brings that '70s vibe forward. It stands the test of time, and they've got a tune. It's not incredibly recent, but certainly would be, I guess you would consider it a deep track, uh, if you've even heard of the band Tesla, but it's called The First Time, and uh, it's worth a listen if you're out there, and it really just it really just talks about reinventing yourself and starting over and, um, you know, not getting too buried down in the things that, um, that, you know, that have happened into your past, and there's a line in it that just says, you're extraordinary. And every time I hear that song, it uh, means a great deal to me personally. And I think it, I think it just, it just uh, resonates with what's going on in the world today and not uh, to kind of be refreshed of something positive. That's a fantastic, uh, that's a fantastic suggestion. And um, I'm going to just make the, the presumption that, that you connected that message to our entire podcast today, because I know that that's sort of the way you think. But that whole thing of don't get bogged down in the past and be refreshed—that's our topic, isn't it? It is, and I'll tell you what—if it—if it comes across as being profound, if it was intentional, then I will take all the credit in the world for that. <laughs> if it was just uh, dumb luck, because it's one of my favorite songs, then uh, we'll live with that too. That too, absolutely perfect. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you and I were chatting the other day, and uh, you said something to me that came that came as a bit of surprise, and and uh, perhaps it might be a, of interest to a number of our listeners, and that is that um, one of your passions, I'll, I'll I'll give it that, and I'll let you define uh, it more precisely than that. But one of your passions is um, BMX and mountain bike racing. So I have a, I have a very sort of uh, 
origin question for you, but I want you to take that as far as you'd like. Uh, how, how did you get started and, and uh, how do you keep it up? Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I mean, those that have gotten to know me over the years know I could spend all day length, all, all day long talking about this, but I mean, how I got started. I mean, I, I, uh, I have a really cool dad who raced motocross and drag raced when I was a kid and uh, got me exposed to all things motorsports. And uh, gosh, Marty, I must have been seven or eight years old. So this um, takes us back to the 70s. And and tell, me, tell me where in the U.S. you are at this time? Uh, Ohio, central oh. Ohio. And um, so my dad comes home one afternoon with a motocross magazine that says, hey, check out this cool article. There's a page of some kids riding their bicycles over motocross jumps. And there's this thing called BMX and started to do some homework. I don't have the foggiest idea where he would have done the homework uh, at the time, but it certainly would have taken more effort than today by just simply Googling BMX. But he found a place in Springfield, Ohio in probably 1979 that was hosting a BMX race and we hopped in the the family truckster or whatever hot rod we had at the time and uh, and drove to Springfield, Ohio, which was a couple of hours and watched it. And I looked at my mom and dad and I said, that's the thing. And I've really been, um, I guess, a BMX guy since. I, obviously, I took some time off right out of college to try to get a career rolling and, and raise a family. But 15 or so years ago, I got back into the sport and took it pretty seriously for a while. Um, raced a lot of national events all over the country, uh, won some national rankings as a BMX racer, wow. expanded my wings, got a little bit into the um, into some mountain biking disciplines, one specifically called dual slalom. And uh, I guess it's not braggadocious if you've actually done it, but in 2018, I won the USA Cycling National Championship in uh, in my dual slalom class at uh, Snowshoe Mountain in West Virginia. So it's uh, something that gives me some motivation. It lets the competitive edge get knocked off um, so I don't uh, say dumb things, I guess, in a professional work setting or a fewer dumb things. And <laughs> keep going, and it's a reason to uh, at least throw a couple dumbbells around and hop on a treadmill a few times a week and stay in shape. Fantastic. So – Without uh, having uh, the ability on our podcast here to go off and, and search the web, or at least I shouldn't with, unless I lose my train of thought, but dual <laughs> slalom, I, I, I'm picturing downhill uh, through gates side by side. I, that's probably pretty close, but is there uphill involved or is it just purely downhill as fast as you can go? Downhill as fast as you can go, and you've and, and you've kind of nailed it, Marty. I mean, it's downhill side by side on a track. If you've ever seen BMX or motocross with berms and jumps, just think about two very narrow BMX tracks or motocross tracks zigzagging down what is almost almost always at a ski resort uh, in the summer and um, a section of a hill. So it's usually only like 25 to 40 seconds in length. And you qualify individually based on time and get seated. And so, for example, if you and I got seated, we had to race each other. We would actually race twice. We would race uh, against each other in each lane. Sure. And then it would be a, a function of of aggregate times uh, to see who moves on. So it's, um, it's kind of like watching uh, downhill skiing or the Super G, if you've watched that, uh, the Olympics or something like that, only on 
on bicycles. So yeah, jumping and airing things out and carving through corners and big knobby tires and stuff. I don't know. It's just so I, people play golf. Gonna, people go ahead. I, I was going to say, are you on a on a on a what I'd call a full frame mountain bike, or are you on a BMX uh, style bike? Well, that's what's really cool about about dual slalom is it's kind of a take all comer sport. So there's some people that run pretty fast on a BMX oriented bike. Uh, some of the fastest guys in the world are on full suspension, so front and rear. I um, was doing it on I, what you would, it would be a rigid hardtail, mm-hmm. but yet with a, a fully suspended front end, so a front shock, yeah. if you will, and then you just play around with different tires and air pressures and and send it, as they say. But it's a gravity game. There's no you know, once you get. Uh, you get rolling out of the starting gate. Most of the pedaling is just sneaking up a, a crank in here or there between turns and obstacles to uh, try to get one up on your comp. Sure, absolutely. Um, that is super, uh, super interesting, and and uh, I could take this way off topic as I <laughs> want to do, but I won't. Um, I'll just I'll just leave this hanging out there. Maybe we can talk about it sometime in the future. I got my start around the same time uh, in uh, skateboarding, and oh, I yeah, do, sure. I, I'm involved with a very little-known discipline that's called slalom skateboarding. So, uh, but enough on that. Let's <laughs> let's continue. Um, find me on find me on Instagram. It's public, and people can see some photographs, and we can connect and and talk and, and talk a. Uh, and, and talk sports if anybody's interested. Well, find me on LinkedIn too. I don't care, but yeah, my Instagram's. Yeah, Instagram probably has a little bit more of the fun stuff, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. So you uh, you mentioned that you've got a podcast called Closing the Gap, and uh, sure. I, I I wanted to um, touch on that and and let you uh, let you sort of first of all. Tell me a little bit about the the um, production schedule and, and that kind of stuff, and and then I want to talk about uh, sort of the focus and and some lessons that you've learned. Yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, it's it was something that uh, was born really. I would have been winter of seventeen and eighteen. Uh, a couple of us had an idea, and just it it really, I guess, came from this. Uh, from this aha, I guess, that I had, Marty, that uh, is a carrier uh, who's who's very plugged into the industry, uh, most of the state trade and national associations, again, relationships with some of the top, you know, I guess, consulting partners around the industry and our own work uh, with um, assessing and evaluating the health of our agencies and it just going one-on-one with agencies that a carrier like us, um, we're not alone, um, amasses a great deal of the observations and insights and, and objective uh, criteria about what the highest performing independent agencies are doing. And we're always getting asked that question when you're with an agency, whether it's one-on-one or in small groups. Um, you know, but the unique thing here, and this isn't intended to be, you know, I guess cynical, but oftentimes when a carrier is across from an agency, it could be perceived that there's an agenda. I mean, we want more production and, uh, you know, the agencies, you know, trying to manage that across a number of carriers. Um, so I could refer them to a, you know, to a consulting firm, but agencies will say, I, you know, I'm afraid to talk to them. They just want to sell me a, a gig. 
but so I thought like why but we have all this insight whether it's me or you know the, a large number of folks at, at our company who are around working in and the industry, you know, we're amassing this insight. And so how do we share it back in a non-obtrusive way, in a very educational, consultative sort of way, um, just to share the benefits of our work in the industry. And podcasts were been around for quite a while, but I was becoming fully immersed in them myself. And I thought, why don't we just do a podcast? And this isn't a, obviously it's a Westfield podcast. It's branded Westfield, certainly funded and backed. By us, but it's not a Westfield commercial um, by and large. It's it's really about exposing agencies and and really at this point in time, uh, small businesses and I guess any individual uh, across the country and and the globe anymore to uh, insights around running businesses and a lot of it's about uh, best practices for independent agencies. But we've had folks talking about personal branding and psychology of success and the entrepreneurial thought process and you know any number of different um things and it's just it was just brainstorm and a few of us got in a room and laid this thing out and we thought how long this should they be how frequently should we publish them and some assumptions have held very true some way understated and some way overstated but really i'm gonna get um, oh, so june of 2018 uh, the week of Agency Nation Elevate, the year you guys were in Cleveland, uh, we launched it and have been running weekly ever since, with the exception of uh, a couple of intentional weeks off and around a holiday. So we're well into the 80s uh, in terms of numbers of episodes and, and the whole gamut of topics. And we could chat about some of the themes, but um, it's, it's interesting, Marty, you're a podcast guy as well, but when we kicked this thing off, we thought that 12 or 15 minutes was about the the max that we could keep somebody engaged. And we, about a year and a half ago, uh, almost in an experiment, played with a couple of long form conversations and immediately started to see listenership go up. And it really cemented to me, especially as a listener and as a host, that if we have engaging dialogue with a quality guest and the content is relevant to the listener, people will listen. And that's the magic of a podcast. You can listen when and where and however you want over whatever timeline you want. And, at, and that's where and we're at. Set it, set, set it aside for a minute or, or a day and come back to it, right? So amen, brother. Uh, I think common wisdom on, on this topic is, you know, shorter is better. And, you know, common wisdom is unfortunately all too common. And, uh, if you can keep people engaged and, and you're giving them high quality content, they'll stick, they'll yeah. stick with you. I mean, it just, it, it, it makes sense, right? I mean, you're a listener. I'm a listener. Um, it, I, I, I love when people go deep on it, on a topic that fascinates me. Well, you know, I don't, I mean, I, you know, for example, maybe just to expose, I like, I love to listen to Joe Rogan. I don't like all of his guests. I'm not an MMA guy, so I don't listen to those, but mm -hmm. I mean, he'll get out there on some of those fringe intellectual topics and go for three hours. I mean, I, I mean, nobody's consuming three hours in one sitting, but a couple of commutes, maybe an airplane ride, um, a jog, and uh, and I take it all in if it's good. Absolutely. And for closing the gap, listeners, we have no three-hour episodes planned. I promise. <laughs> I don't have an attention span for that. Yeah, before we get dive into the dirty details, I want to ask you sort of a, an organizational um, question. When you 
so, so, so a podcast is, is, I mean, it's not unique in that nobody's heard about it at senior management levels, but it, but it certainly might not be, um, an effort that the, that the value would be immediately perceived by, um, by, by some levels of executive management. In addition, you, you made a very, um, a very open and, and, uh, you know, not guarded comment that, that it wasn't, a, your, your podcast isn't a Westfield sales pitch. So talk to me a little bit without getting in trouble about how those discussions sure. went and, you know, and just sort of what did it take? Because I'm sure possibly some of our listeners are wrestling with these same questions. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Marty, in all candidness, it was an incredibly smooth uh, conversation. I mean, um, I pitched the idea to to my you know my boss at the time, who you know the many people listening probably are aware of who Craig Welsh is. He's our chief distribution officer, and I ran this idea by him. And I mean, it was a very short conversation. It was says, hey, connect with these couple of folks in the marketing department lay this thing out and let's huddle up and see how it would go and um, put together a, a vision statement that was very similar to, to that which I had shared and about 10 or 12 topics that I thought even without a guest that I, I would at least be um, capable of, of um, chatting about on my own or with um, you know pretty easy internal uh, support to get to and then we could see how it goes and um, you know, we did a couple of um, run-throughs on that. What would the name be? And quite honestly, even closing the gap was close because um, the word gap came to my mind because it hit me that one of the things we were always topping, talking about is how do you get from point A to point B or, you know, how do you, you know, something along those those lines. But as you can imagine, then you get this thing together and you're an insurance company, you're an underwriting company. So you put together the plan and a couple of ideas and bounce it off the legal team and they test the name against certain things. And we said, let's give it a shot. I mean, the worst case scenario is you kill it or you adjust it um, or, or you put your foot harder on the gas. And um, it, it really wasn't that hard. Now, candidly, um, you know, when, when people would, uh, would internally want to come on and talk about certain things they were working on, having a conversation about it, not being a direct commercial, um, it was admittedly, you know, a unique dialogue, but I mean, in nearly all those cases, we were, I mean, we were able to spin it around in terms of, I mean, it's not a, the commercial is the thought leadership, not the direct pitch for our offering. So, you know, I mean, if, if we're educating people on how to think about, about stuff, um, almost by default, you're, you know, you're, um, you know, you know, you're, I guess you're giving people insight into the, the quality of the people at a, at a carrier and, the capabilities of a carrier without, you know, talking through just a specific product nuance, which, you know, I've always said that most people listen to podcasts to avoid, to avoid radio commercials, not to listen to one. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's a little bit controversial. We, we've got hundreds of people, um, you know, to do that. So this is just another supplemental way of telling our story and it just bolts on to all that stuff. Well, I, I think, um many of our listeners m might have a similar situation um in in 
sort of their agency's approach to, to social media. And that yeah. is too, too often, you know, uh, the, the folks in the corner office believe that if, if we're not pounding ourselves on the chest and telling everybody how great we are, we're not really selling or marketing. Do you want to comment on that or? Yeah. And I mean, although I have marketing roots in my career, I'm far from a marketing pro, but I think that you can't view any one, uh, vehicle or campaign or effort, um, singularly. And none of them are single bullets or silver bullets. So, uh, you know, a, a podcast to advertise as an agency, why to do business with you that's truly a traditional, you know, marketing approach probably won't work. But doing a podcast where you share insights um, or any marketing campaign where you're sharing how you've become an expert in certain areas or to provide access to other thought or education that you wouldn't normally get. I mean, it's it seems odd to fathom that people would listen to an insurance podcast, period. But when you think about it at a, from a different point of view and supplementing the traditional call to action type marketing programs that many agencies or carriers have, the podcast just out, I guess, on the outer fringes where you get to express your personality and who you are and the type of things that interest you. And uh, it's another way of painting a picture of what your culture is and what it might be like to do business with you. Um, it seems like there's, you know, that that's where these things play. But when it becomes a true commercial is where I think a podcast is just not the best there's too many other ways to drive straight call to action type marketing, um, or at least thinking about a podcast singularly through that. I mean, once in a while, if you want to, I guess that's great, but I'm probably rambling there off topic, but it's just, it just seems like there's a different way to leverage the format than the way we would typically think about a marketing or a communication effort. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, I, I think, most modern consumers' filters are so sophisticated now that that we're pretty good at determining uh, when there's a when there's a, a a message that doesn't have much value beyond being a sales pitch, and those are the those are the fastest ones that get tuned out. Right? You can tune them out in an, in any number of ways, but particularly when you're talking about um, a podcast, it's as easy as you know back and let me find something else to listen to right now. So I, I would agree wholeheartedly. I mean, when I think about what the typical agency is doing, um, you know, they are first and foremost advisors. I mean, clearly they, their, their primary focus is risk reduction, right? But, but, but if, uh, but if you talk about things that help your clients and your prospective clients run their businesses better, Sounds like a podcast that you might be hosting, right? It's going to be some, it's going to be something that, that, that people find value in and they're going to say, well, if they understand this, why wouldn't I be wanting to talk to them about my business, right? So, uh, just same, same, same concept said slightly differently. So, um, absolutely. I, I, I want to ask you if there are some common threads across your 80-some podcasts uh, 
that you've heard from guests, whether they be agency uh, principals or, or, you know, operations people or consultants or maybe some some carrier folks out out of the west field what what have you yeah. heard sort of common themes that that might uh sort of that that might help crystallize that those 80 into, into some takeaways yeah it's a great that's a great question and um could talk forever about that but the the in a nutshell the, there was such early clarity around the topics that uh, you know, anybody who's heard the podcast or or seen me on a stage or on a panel at an industry event has might you might have heard me reference the big three, uh, and even more recently the big three plus one. Um, but these these sort of came together, a all. With some level of intentionality and the, and on the other side of things, I guess organically from this work. And that is that there are very clear buckets, at least in my lens, of things that high performing agencies and I would even say high performing businesses are focused on. And so not only do we use that to at least try to shape and inform our content strategy for closing the gap, uh, it also informs our investment strategy as to how we spend, uh, you know, finite um, resources investing back into the channel. Um, so you'll listen to the big three and it'll make sense why we have supported Elevate. But so I guess real quick, uh, Marty, the, the the three of them and then the plus one, and we could go however you want from there. But the first one is it's a large bucket, but it really is uh, investment in young and new and diverse talent all the way up through organizationally around having uh, an intentional uh, internal succession perpetuation or even uh, a sales strategy for your agency. A lot of, a lot of meat in that one. Hmm. The second bucket, if you will, is this whole customer experience. And that includes a lot of the stuff you guys focus on social media, digital and marketing. And how do you start to um, engage with clients in a way that they want to be engaged with? The third, which took a little while to mature, I think, in the industry, um, but even as content on our on our podcast, was data and analytics and all that comes along with being a, a far greater data-driven um, industry than we have been in the past, or in different ways than we've been in the past is probably a unique nuance. And then candidly, again, uh, you know, one of the things that in the last 12 to 18 months that has gone from being peripheral in the industry to being front and center and one that I guess to me has become a personal cause that I, I think very highly of, and this is the plus one, so maybe it's the big four at this point, uh, is, is uh, inclusion and diversity and the power um, that, can, that can happen in a business that embraces diverse thought, diverse talent, um, different backgrounds and ethnicities and the whole thing that comes into that. That, that catchphrase, I mean, it's just really powerful to see um, the health of organizations who are attacking that because it's almost like by attacking diversity and inclusion and in a very intentional way, the other big three things get juiced and they get energized from from unique thought. So maybe I'll just <laughs> stop there for a second and let you take us wherever we want to go. 
Well, uh, I think you're right. Any one of these we could talk about uh, for quite some time. Um, I participate uh, with the ACT group and sit on a uh, on a um, working group on customer experience, and and that's a that's a real passion for me as well. Um, data and analytics, I think, is something that you're right. It's uh, it's certainly something that um, perhaps. Certainly not on the, not on the carrier side, but, but more on the agency side. I think it's, it's gotten a short shrift, uh, in, uh, the past, but thankfully, um, people are beginning to realize that, um, you know, the, the truth is in the numbers and, and, you know, you, you get what you, what you manage. So, um, I think that's huge. Your, the, the concept in sort of being intentional about hiring, perpetuation and diversity. To me, yeah, um, is is monstrous, and so let's let's kick it off with that one, and we'll see how we do on time, and we might get to to the others. Yeah, and they almost become, you know, become one. But you know what? I if, if we start off with just, I guess this traditional, and you know, you and I have got a couple of years in this industry behind us, and as long as I can remember, this industry has talked about. Uh, you know, there's this gap. It's difficult to hire uh, next generation talent. And we've got an aged principal force. And you get into these average weighted aged calculation of ownership or of new business. And I mean, it's real, right? Um, but when you go and when you see like our own performance and you see best practice data or whether, again, with it's the big consulting firms and the big eyes work around that, it is absolutely crystal clear that agencies who have a culture of hiring uh, set diversity aside, but just hiring, um, they just outperform the balance of, uh, of agencies out there. And that's why I think this applies to all, you know, all businesses and probably anything in the financial services realm. Um, but part of that is, is that it, it creates, it creates new energy. It creates new thought and, you start to open your business up to a different customer base. I mean, what's that statistic, Marty? And it probably holds true that the average producer's book in age tends to be plus or minus five years on average of their age. So if you want to grow your agency and look for you know different talent, you know, you've got to be, you know, you've got to be hiring and that's hard. And that's why, I mean, it takes a, an intentional uh, act, which is usually a plan of what it looks like to come into an agency and at what point you become validated and then how do you start to work through this journey of potentially becoming a shareholder all the way up through being a candidate for succession and the agencies, regardless of size, who have thought through that and know when uh, the current leadership is going to divest and, and start planning their retirement are even better at this than others because that makes a more appealing uh, career path for somebody to look in and say, I, I now know what this looks like and I, I won't be 45 or 50 myself with a nice large book, uh, but no real chance to own a portion of an agency uh, because the owner is, you know, 65, 70 or older. We've seen those. Um, and to their credit, they built this thing, but they don't want to retire and it makes it tough. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, we won't name any names, but we both have had experiences with with those successful producers who sort of realize that ownership isn't isn't in the the cards at their current location. Who then 
have to make yeah. a very difficult decision. And the decisions get made differently by different individuals. That's not the point. But it just right. your 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 um your comment about having having the plan is one thing, but more importantly, be able to communicate it and talk about it openly so that there are no aha gotcha surprises. Um it, it allows you to track the best and the brightest, right? In theory, right? And I mean, a full disclosure. I mean, I've never even had to buy lunch for my family that came from you know, came from money uh, that I earned running an independent agency. So I, I, I know that it's not easy, uh, and and it can be challenging, and it's a a tough hill to climb. You know, all all we bring on the carrier side is is the benefit. Uh, of working with hundreds of agencies and seeing data aggregated across our own book and our own portfolio and that which, you know, and third party entities share and, and mean, and these trends uh, are about the power of, of intentionality in this area are, are, are mind numbingly strong. I think we've got a couple of minutes. If you want to sort of maybe touch on the high points of data and analytics and, and sort of where do you, what are the new trends that you're seeing that agencies should be thinking about? Yeah, this is a, uh, an interesting one uh, to me personally, and I think to anybody who's engaged to that, and, and, and we could hit some of the basic stuff, right? You started to allude to it. It's garbage in, garbage out, and we need to be thinking about a single version of truth and there's a lot of a lot of talk out there, uh, a lot of third-party folks entering our space, you know, under the label of insure tech, talking direct integration, maybe even all the way to AI and machine learning, and that stuff's powerful. And there's no two ways about it. And we could spend a minute, you know, a little bit of time on that at the end. But even just today, for an agency who's who's not doing much here, I start off by just saying, if you get your arms around the data you already have. It allows intentionality around niche focusing, geographic expansion. Um, do you or do you not need more people and in what roles? So are the activities in your agency being done by the right level of employee at the right uh, salary and expense? Um, without the data, you can't, you can't get there. Um, and we're seeing more agencies starting to embrace net promoter score and NPS and then using that to Feed that cycle back through across all of these, uh, those things that I just mentioned. But let's go back to the, the talent and the succession. If you're really good at your data, you're maximizing your EBITDA, you can improve your orb, organi- you know, your organic growth. And at the end of the day, what you're owning here is an asset, your most valuable asset, and your overall enhancing, uh, agency value. So there's a lot of those things there that without getting into the, the future oriented uh, I guess side of data and analytics that are the here and the now that good performing and best performing agencies have been doing for quite some time. But if we take this thing and we spin it to the future, this is where I think it gets, it gets exciting and it gets, um, it can be frustrating at times because I think what can happen is that there's so many entrants entering our industry who have rightfully so identified a pain point or a source of friction somewhere in the value chain and they've created a solution for that. And there's so many of them out there that have great offerings and they're, you know, they need customers and start on the carrier side and go that path or they start on the agency side and go uh, and try to leverage carriers. And right now there's just so much out there um, 
that can be frustrating as agencies feel like they've got a solution or a partnership with a solution that solves their problem, but they need the carriers to get on board. And carriers are investing on a lot of these tools to lay the groundwork and to reestablish the foundation. Many of us still dealing with legacy systems that will enable um, some really powerful steps forward. So it's all about the timing and the right the right solutions there. And at point in time, it can create um, maybe more than typical tension between carriers and agencies. But I think you know the messaging there is that hey, we're all still on the same we're all still on the same team here, and we all still value the channel. We still want the channel to succeed. We're all making investments that we think set each of us up for the future. And um, let's you know, let's keep our eye on the big prize out there and, and the power of winning this thing together. And uh, just like when we went through personalized comparative raters, or even the days of um, you know Accord standards and those types of things, there was. There was discomfort as as the industry wrapped their arms around this thing, and carriers and agencies developed their own solutions and third party solutions. Sort of found their footwork in this and um, and some staying power. Um, but there's, we're in the middle of that right now, and it can be a little bit disconcerting. But I think there's light at the end of the tunnel as we get this thing sorted out, and everybody's again thinking about this through the lens of being on the same team. I was going to go back to your comment about um, getting your arms around your existing data, you know, before yeah. before you start struggling with the, the the sort of that looming thing in the future, which is where we know that 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 all this analysis can go. But I, I wanted to um, bring it back to to one of your earlier big three, and that is um, diverse talent. Often, yeah. often agencies are run by individuals who are first and foremost really good risk managers and salespeople. And sometimes they want to hire in their own image. But their skill set may not be 100% focused on understanding data, right? And this is why diverse talent, somebody, somebody who may not be a perfect mirror image of a successful salesperson might have a role to play as the, the complexity, the complexion and the nature of the agency begin to change because those people bring skills to the fore that may not exist with the, exist in, in the skill set of the principles that, that are in, in place today. Well, I think that's a great point. I mean, it's, um, you know, those of us that have been through any sort of leadership type type training, I mean, it's uh, it's almost cliched anymore, but you hire your weaknesses. And obviously you have to hire people as they retire or, or leave an organization or as your organization scales and you need more of certain roles. But, uh, you know, the one way to attack some of these, you know, these more nuanced areas um, is to hire somebody who's a who's a professional in it. So it's it's still rare, but it's becoming increasingly more common to talk to agent to agencies and not just the big firms, Marty, that are investing in data scientists or you know people that actually come from from financial analysts, uh, you know, backgrounds. And this notion of agencies that are looking at 
I guess what you would consider to be non-traditional in terms of their revenue generation capabilities. So not hiring producers only, but hiring people who are focused on core competencies to help build out the capabilities of the industry or the, that the business, um, you hear more of those. And it started off with marketing professionals. You know, it's more and more, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30 person agencies hiring marketing professionals. You didn't hear about that in the past. Uh, and now you do. And it's really helping move the needle. And you're starting to see more of that around this, this, uh, this data and analytics and hiring somebody that can, can help you know, help an agency think differently. Now, being willing to is, is a different conversation, but it's important. It's important to have the talent there for sure, and you nailed it. No, I, I would agree with you. I mean, this this whole concept that, um, you know, sales is, is, is one in the trenches by, you know, uh, the, the salesperson out, out in the field, on the phone, whatever the, the sales methodology is, you know, one-on-one. I think that's, I mean, that, I'm not going to say that that's not important, but that's sort of maybe less effective than bringing these specialists as you, as you identified a marketing person, right? A data person who can say, Hey, let's look at, let's look at the prospects that are in our, that are in our geographic, you know, um, sales territory and and let's figure out how do we create an offering that that targets those people because we know we've got you know and we've got we've got a carrier that wants to write that kind of business right and that that comes from somebody somebody sitting down and and really analyzing what the agency does and that takes time and it takes a skill set so um it's encouraging to hear you say that that you, that these agencies are beginning to think uh, more strategically than tactically. How do I, how do I find the next warm body I can sell a policy to? Yeah, you know, and I, and I think the message here too, and it's, 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 it's oftentimes, and I don't feel like we've gotten there, but in the event that in, any listener thinks we have, this isn't doom and gloom to me. These are the things that the high performing agencies are doing, which means there are at least, I guess if you've done math, at least the top quartile of agencies are doing this stuff. They're on a journey. We're all on a journey. Um, but as I travel around, one of the things I, I always try to stop and do is, is say, Hey, look, let's, we're moving the needle here as an industry. I go to events and you see, you see a younger crowd. You see a crowd that looks differently, that thinks differently. I, you go to large events and small events and you start to see breakouts and, um, you know, I guess, um, yeah, the tracks that come along with these larger events starting to include topics that are along these, you know, along these areas of, of conversation and the industry is doing this stuff. And it's, it, it's easy to get mired down and in, into saying, Oh my gosh, these are all these gaps and what are all these agencies not doing? But, but, but there's a lot of, um, a lot of very positive things happening out there. And we need to, you know, to give, we need to take pause and, and give applause uh, for what this industry is doing. And it only happens. It happens for a lot of reasons, but one of the things that is helping is is platforms like like the Agency Nation podcast here and our own podcast and other podcasts and other ways that give people a chance to have this conversation in a long form uh, to really you know to really explore the topics. Yeah, well, one of the things that I have have been a a strong proponent of during my whole career is industry events, and and I find that. When you, when you're at these events and you find 
another individual who who shares a passion for whatever little corner of the industry you love and you can sit sit with them elbow to elbow toe to toe and just sort of what are you doing about this because i'm struggling those conversations are as valuable if not more valuable than the stuff where somebody's up on stage right because because finding that person who's got that passion and who might have solved a, an issue with which you're you're struggling right now is just I mean you can't you can't put a monetary figure on that. Yeah, I totally agree, and that's you know maybe it's a less than shameless plug for Elevate, but <laughs> I mean it, it, maybe that's where you're trying to go with the whole thing. No, but, I, I was not. But, I was not. But but it, it's it's a nice it's a nice match to make. Thank you. But but I'll tell you, you know, I mean, I it was it wasn't. I don't know, 10 years or so ago, I mean, I struggled with the value of these things. I mean, it's a big expense on the carrier side uh, to sponsor and to send a group of people or maybe have a trade show booth set up in the vendor floor um, and to be out of town for a few days. Um, and I know for agencies who don't have the luxury of a couple billion dollar carrier uh, behind them uh, to take time out of the office if you only got 15 employees. But there's this analogy I, I saw at times, probably some cheesy keynote speaker, you know, here airport Marriott somewhere down the road for 99 bucks when I was starting my career. But it's, it's that, you know, it's, it's the allegories, maybe the wrong word, but if you have two lumberjacks and they start in the morning, which one's going to chop more wood by the end of the day, the one who stops every couple hours, sharpens his ax and, um, you know, you know, has a drink and eats a sandwich. Um, or the one who just chops all day blindly without really thinking about how to be more efficient. And, you know, I mean, conversation is obviously you you take time out of your busy day come up for air go sharpen your axe every once in a while um, you're going to be better for it and these industry events whether it's your state association or some of these like like yours or or others uh, even outside the industry they're only as good as you make it and as you alluded to marty the networking uh, stalking people looking they all have apps now um people put their profiles you can connect it it they've really gotten good and there are some really good events out there and um some aren't but most are good yeah i i would agree with you i there are unfortunately there are too many to attend all of them and and i'm sure there's value valuable uh, information at virtually everyone i mean obviously there might be some that are uh less than stellar but uh that that aside the, the challenge is is figuring out which ones to go to and and you know who's the right who's the right individual to attend or individuals right so right um but uh, i think we've gotten to a good stopping spot i want to i want to give you an opportunity to tell uh our listeners how they could connect to you if they're not and most importantly uh to find uh, closing the gap. Yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, I, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn at C-H-R-I-S, uh, C-L-I-N-E. Um, uh, more than willing to uh, connect that way, and a lot of folks have uh, made a lot of industry connections through LinkedIn, and uh, either folks I've met at events and connected on LinkedIn or the other way around have found us on LinkedIn, and um, we've we've met um and some folks that have become really great uh, industry friends uh, of mine that way. Um, 
obviously we joked about Instagram. That's a fun way. Uh, Twitter, I don't do anything over there really. But, you know, more importantly, the Closing the Gap uh, podcast is available really on every platform that you would listen to podcasts from. We're on iTunes. And uh, we do, if you follow Westfield social media platforms, all the big ones are Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, and Twitter. We do share a post about the middle of the week every week uh, with with our new episodes. And that, that takes you straight to Westfield's website. You can listen to them that way. So there's a lot of ways uh, to find that episode. And um, love to connect with folks and talk about this industry stuff. I mean, the more people I talk to, it just helps me become a better insurance professional and helps us shape content and um, also love connecting people. So it's not uncommon at all for these conversations to turn into a triangulation of three or four resources along the way. Excellent. Chris, I want to thank you so much for your time and insights today. Uh, it's been really yeah. wonderful share, sharing with you and uh, learning, learning a little bit more about your efforts at Westfield to both bring innovative products to uh, independent agents uh, out there, as well as sort of the best in sort of insights and, and uh, information with your podcast. Yeah, thank you very much. All right, folks, and uh, I would be remiss if I didn't close the little message regarding Elevate Conference. If you want to uh, meet with some of the most creative and innovative thinkers, including folks like my guest here, Chris Klein uh, from the Westfield. You want to get to Nashville starting Sunday, May the 31st for Elevate 2020. And you can find all the information on registration and uh, the agenda at elevateconference.com. Thank you so much. Thanks, Chris, and you have a great day.